Friends of Andy Falco Jimenez coming to you live from Yorba Linda, California for Vote PYL Vote. Uh, we're going to be talking about two things, and that is um, first, we want to make sure that moving forward here, uh, especially in our area of uh, Plus Central Yorba Linda area, which also includes Brea, Fullerton, and Anaheim, is that we are making sure that as we vote, we are looking for those candidates that are more interested in law-abiding citizen reform as opposed to criminal reform, which is um, a plague throughout our country and in particular here in California. And then we want uh, candidates that um, uh, lean towards or respect parents' rights, which is uh, uh, equally as important. And they actually go hand in hand. I I believe that by the end of this broadcast, I'll be able to make a case that, um, that both uh, are important for their all overall um, health of a community, uh, especially when it comes to crime. That if you have good, um, uh, you know, issues that parents um, are are searching for or are fighting for in our school districts, that when you put those into play, those issues which have to do with mostly just sound good education and removing indoctrination that then we will be able to move through the education system, um, future citizens that will be able to graduate with the ability to read, write, count, and think uh, that will either move into a, a college or university environment then then to for um, good, but we also have to have good universities and colleges. That's a, another whole, another issue <laughs> or um, go directly into the workforce. Um, and, uh, and, and gain a skill uh, that will, again, further the community and allow them to prosper uh, through uh, good hard work, which then um, reduces the chance that they will go into some type of uh, life of crime. Uh, and, and then we get into the other issues that have to do with enforcing laws. Uh, and so I want to first um, address the, um, the issue with what is important, as I know, as a a law enforcement officer of 21 years in Anaheim um, and continue in the um, the, uh, you know, what is, you know, the the what can I call it? It is not a I guess it could be a vocation, I guess (laughs) I was struggling to find a name for it because it's it's a business. But my my vocation or my business is has continued in law enforcement that it is in the expert witness uh, area uh, of law where I am hired to look at how uh, police departments and police officers are um, conducting their business as law enforcement officers. I investigate um, uh, a crime or a case, a criminal case, and, and look at how it was handled by the police department and the law enforcement officers that are involved. And so uh, I look at these issues every day and how they're being used. So um, I, I want to bring that expertise or that experience that, um, 
the legal system has entrusted me in and hopefully uh, give some guidance on why I think these issues are important. And uh, the, the, one of the most important things that as a police officer through the 80s, 90s and 2000s, that the one thing that was very clear is that the most important thing that was brought to law enforcement was the broken windows theory and all the little um, things that came out of that. Uh, and everyone can find flaw, not everyone, many people can find flaw in broken windows theory to other issues that came up, whether it was, um, some people call it profiling or uh, what other names of, of, of issues that come up. Let me uh, look in my notes here that I have. That is, um, oh my gosh, uh, here, let me find real quick. Um, zero tolerance policing, um, stop and frisk are the other ones. These are things that are important and are great policies, but in every case, in just simply doing police work, and if you you could say a car stop, uh, it can be done in a wrong fashion. And I and I've seen it. I'm I'm doing a case right now where I I'm looking at a car stop and I'm saying, wow, that was not done very well. Uh, as a matter of fact, the officer stepped over the line. But that's why you have people like me who are hired as experts that will look at these things and and keep a lid on officers that do the wrong thing. Now, is the officer necessarily um, trying to be a horrible, evil person when going over the line? And I would, say, I would argue in some cases, no. I think sometimes the environment that the police department um, maintains is a a reason that some officers can go over the line because it's encouraged. It's encouraged to be heavy handed or it's encouraged to step over the line on occasion if we're if it's for the right reason. In other words, to get drugs off the street. So an officer makes a car stop. He can tell based on his training and experience that the person driving the vehicle is probably a drug trafficker. And uh, at least at uh, the the beginning stages of a car stop may not have a means of getting inside the vehicle to prove that inside is a cache of narcotics. Now, minus a reason or permission to get inside of that vehicle, an officer may create an opportunity, which is wrong. Clearly it is wrong, uh, but be, may create an opportunity and then get in the vehicle unlawfully and find narcotics. And now this drug trafficker is going to jail. Now, again, many people, and, I, and I've heard the arguments for many people, well, who cares as long as he got the drug traffic off the street on one level, right? You're looking at it in, in the sense that, yes, we got a drug traffic off the street. We got the drugs off the street, even though the officer didn't obey what would be considered the constitutional rights of an, of an American citizen or an illegal alien for that matter. And, and can we do that? No. And I know, I know, I, I struggle with this all the time. Well, man, this guy was a really bad guy and he had all these drugs and of course he needs to go to jail. However, we can't, we can't have an officer going over the line. All right, so I want to make sure that that's clear. That is my job. That is what I do for a living is I look at these cases and the case that I'm looking at right now and many of them that I do, that is the determination is, all right, we have a, a bad guy 
who is definitely a bad guy. He has narcotics and, and he was arrested for this thing. But in my investigation or in my review of the videos and the uh, police reports and the investigation, I find the officer violated his constitutional rights. And so thereby the evidence must be removed or suppressed as it's called in, in legal matters. And it's, it's difficult. It's not easy. But if you, may, if, if you use these policies or these methods of, of uh, fighting crime, which is broken windows theory, um, uh, the uh, you know, profiling on, on some level, or um, stop and frisk, or what have you, uh, no, zero tolerance policing, if you do them correctly, it is really good sound policy that every pol uh, police department should employ. The problem is you have many um, jurisdictions, um, city, uh, met uh, 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 metropolitan uh, areas in our country where they've decided, well, if one officer crosses the line, then we have to remove the entire policy or we have to defund the entire police department because one police officer stepped over the line. If that was the case, we must stop all medical services. We must stop all bus driving uh, by professionals. We must stop uh, um, airline pilots from flying uh, in the air because you're going to have a fraction of these professionals that will make an error either on purpose or by accident and step over the line. That's just a fact of life. And so it, it, is, it is shocking to me that we can criminalize law enforcement and victimize criminals. That is, that is essentially what's happening over the last several years because a few officers that we have hired in law enforcement are people that should have never been hired in the first place or over a period of time they became disillusioned and um, or they became overzealous and have decided that it is, um, it is their, it is okay for them to step over the line and do the things that are um, that are now that are unconstitutional or illegal. So I mean, I want to bring up <clears throat> here really quickly, what is broken windows theory in case this is new to you and you don't know what it is. I'm going to use psychological uh, psychology today, sorry, um, as the, uh, the, the means of uh, identifying uh, this for you. And it's because they give you pretty good uh, um, definition of what it is. The broken windows theory states that visible signs of disorder and misbehavior in an environment encourage further disorder and misbehavior. True. Leading to serious crimes. The principle was developed to explain the decay of neighborhoods, but it is often applied to work and educational environments also. So, uh, when I come down uh, here, it says the broken windows uh, um, are a metaphor for any visible sign of disorder in an environment that goes unattended. This may include small crime acts, small crimes, acts of vandalism, drunken or disorderly conduct, etc. Being forced to confront minor problems can heavily influence how people feel about their environment, particularly their sense of safety. So just on that, that very quick and brief definition it starts with something very minor. If I go back to my history at Anaheim Police Department, there were many areas in Anaheim that were just, just nasty, criminal, uh, uh, crime-ridden, uh, criminal-infested areas, whether it was the west end of Anaheim or downtown Anaheim and portions of even Anaheim Hills, just a small portion, but there was some areas that the, 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 
the crime was just rampant. The drug use, the drug sales, the prostitution, the um, uh, car thefts, the domestic violence, um, uh, assault and batteries, drive-by shootings. Uh, some of those areas, you know, we, we would call them, uh, one of them but usually by their street names, which is the Jeffrey Lynn area of Anaheim, which was also um, uh, next to right, right next door to Anaheim. It was a matter of fact, as you came out of the neighborhood, you saw the backside or the, the west side of Disneyland which has now suddenly become a very satanic, nasty place. But <laughs> that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother um, uh, show. Um, we had the Chevy Chase area, which is up by Harbor Boulevard in Romnia. If you know where the Carl Karcher Enterprises um, area, I, I think they're still there. Uh, Carl Car Karcher's uh, Enterprises, their main office uh, was right in that area. As you go west down Romnia from Harbor Boulevard, you would uh, get into what is called the Chevy Chase area. And... Where else? I mean, you can go to um, um, Orangewood area near Haster. Uh, if you go east off of Haster on Orangewood, you would be into another area that was very. And then Temple Street, which is in Anaheim Hills over off of La Palma, uh, just east of the 57 freeway. These areas, a uh, lot of crime, a lot of prostitution, a uh, lot of drive by shootings. And then again, again, there's other areas. If you go all the way out west, I could tell you many more areas that were out there. So in Chevy Chase. In particular, uh, it was decided that this area was completely out of hand. I, I've talked about it before that uh, you, we would be on patrol, we get a call, and we turn the corner to go up into the Chevy Chase area, and we'd be confronted with a couch on fire in the street, and then a, car, a parked car that is now turned upside down, and then we we drive you know serpentine around those, and we didn't really think anything of it. I remember when an officer, her name was Cheryl, I remember when she was coming onto the street for, I, I believe she was going there for another call. It, it could have been for a disturbance or a, a man causing a disturbance. And as she turned the corner, she saw a man with an ax coming at her above her head. And she got out of her car and had to shoot the man as he was coming at her with an ax. Um, I, I remember coming out there with, uh, you know, flying in there as we often did with our lights and siren. <clears throat> and uh, you would see two guys running down the street, one of them shooting at the guy as he's, you know, weaving in and out of the apartment complexes there and so on and so forth. This was just every day on a weekend. It was incredibly busy. We'd be there um, often for different things. So this is one of those areas that uh, at one point people just says, OK, if we had enough. <laughs> and and as officers, uh, quite frankly, um, it was one of our favorite areas to work because it was we were constantly arresting somebody for something big like you know, armed robbery, uh, carjacking, um, you know, murder, you and you name it, it was it was happening in that area. And so uh, for a police officer, it was almost like what you would go through the police academy for to uh, to live uh, out, you know, your calling to fight, actually fight crime. And you were chasing people over walls and fences, that kind of stuff. But at some point, the neighboring area, you know what, they started to say, you know, what, we've had enough <laughs> of this because now it's starting to move out into the area. So how do you solve that? You go into that area and now you begin to tow vehicles that are out of registration. You begin to mend the windows that are broken and fix it. You begin to incorporate and, and, um, and um, recruit uh, people that live in the area that want to see change. And you, you um, not necessarily deputize them, but in some form you deputize them to be reporters of who it is that we need to target. Who is it that lives in that area that's dealing in narcotics and, and dealing in weapons and, um, and, and prostitution? Who are these people? What apartments do we need to focus on? And we, we began to really enforce even the minorest, the minorest, is that a word? I don't know, the most minor crimes 
um, and essentially using the broken windows theory. And it was, we did call it back in those days, hey, we're do, using the broken windows theory in, in this area, Chevy Chase, temp, uh, 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 you know, Temple and Chevy Chase and, uh, and so on and so forth. And we also incorporated, um, uh, no pun intended, corporations like the Carl, like Carl Culture Enterprises who we worked together and teamed together that they were going to donate money to help refurbish some of these areas. And I, if, if I'm, if I'm not um, mistaken, they purchased many of the apartments that were in that area. And together, along with broken wearies, uh, broken wearies, broken windows theory and um, stop and frisk and zero tolerance, all three of those, we were able to clean up that area and turn it into a gated community. Uh, and it took a while but those things work. Um, the good news is only on occasion did one of our fellow officers step over the line. And I know that this happened and I want to bring this up because it's important to understand that you will have officers step over the line because it becomes a little bit addictive. Um, the fact that you're going in there and fighting crime, you're, you're finding bad guys, they're going to jail, they're doing time. And the DA and the city attorneys that um, are uh, responsible for prosecuting these crimes, they are taking and using um, three strikes, your outlaws and gang enhancements and a whole bunch of other laws that were available to us at the time. And people are serving time and they're not able to get out and come back. So as a team, you have broken windows, you have zero tolerance, you have stop and frisk, you have corporations that are purchasing and, and, and evicting um, uh, those people that are not paying for the, they're not paying their rent on time. They're not parking their cars where they need to be parked. They're not maintaining the area in a condition that uh, does not allow for broken windows, broken doors, broken gates, um, brown grass, um, uh, brown trees, and and cars parked on the grass. That you 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 incorporate all these things, and in the end, you have city attorneys and district attorneys who are doing their jobs and enforcing the laws as they stand and using enhancements to keep people in jail, not get people out of jail, but keeping them in jail. And eventually we're able to turn a very dark area of Anaheim into a gated community where families, even though they're low income, even though they are uh, struggling um, to, uh, to, to, to make ends meet, are able to live in peace. Because it, it is a fallacy to say that because you have bail requirements, because you have certain financial things that require keep maintaining a property, maintaining a, a vehicle that runs and works, and making sure that they're registered, even though those th that's a requirement of living in the state. That is a requirement for living in our community. You can't use that as an excuse for crime. Which is, which is happening now. If I bring up this article, and I'm going to bring up an article that has to do with um, <clears throat> what's happening in Illinois right now, and this is um, bail reform. In other words, they're, they're, they're making it possible that there is, there, there's no bail requirement for certain crimes. And I'm going to spell out these crimes, but I want to tell you, I want to read with you uh, what it says here in relationship to uh, why they first think that this is wrong. So approximately 400 criminal defendants will be released back into the community. Um, and this is in Winnebago County, uh, which is Winnebago County state attorney who's saying, oh, this is, uh, this is the person who's saying it, but it's the entire state. It's the state of Illinois. 
anyone sitting in jail right now with all these pending charges, which I'm going to share with you in just a minute, they're going to be let out. And the reason that they give is this. It says that that's just inequitable. Uh, sorry. Advocates for the, abol uh, the abolishment of cash bail view it as a pillar of institutional racism within the criminal, just criminal justice system. That's just inequitable that some people get to be free because they have money and other people have to remain incarcerated, which has all kinds of terrible consequences of people's ability to work for their housing. Their whole families suffer, said Ben Ruddle of the ACLU of Illinois, according to the WLS. Um, instead, a judge would issue pretrial release conditions for offenders uh, something local pastors have been pushing for, saying the change is necessary to improve the criminal justice system, which is, uh, uh, you know, I know that if you're watching this, you actually have common sense and you um, uh, realize that this is hogwash. But uh, I, I know that there's many people who would rather stick their head in the sand and say they don't want to be political. They don't want to watch shows like mine. They don't want to read the newspaper. They don't want to watch the news. They don't want to be involved in politics. All these things happen um, uh, to even some of my closest friends where they, they say, I don't want to be involved in these things because it upsets me or it may upset my friend or it may upset my family member or my daughter or my, my wife or my what have you. I mean, there's all these excuses, but when you walk out of the door of your home or even when you turn on the light switch, you are involved in politics. As you go out or your son or your daughter come to you and say, hey, mom or dad, can I ride my bike to the park or if, can I ride my bike to Starbucks? You will make a decision based on the politics in your community because you will say, you know what? It's too unsafe to go. Now, how do you know it's unsafe? Well, because probably somebody told you, hey, there was a rape down the street. There's um, criminals that are running around. There was a drive-by shooting down the street. You know, uh, I, 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 I caution you, those of you that say, hey, I don't want to bring this up because I'll get fired from my job if I say that I'm against criminal reform or bail reform. Um, because they will call me racist. The, the problem is saying that you have to reduce bail or you have to get rid of bail requirements because people are black is racist. Because what you're saying is that black people don't, because black people commit crimes. And because they commit crimes, you can't, you can't require bail. That is so racist. I, 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 I go back to what I was talking about with the city of Anaheim and the Chevy Chase area as my example is that the same people that were living in or around that area that were becoming the victims of the criminality were being, were being, were being victimized by people that don't work. Their work is committing crime. Their work is drug sales. Their work is um, uh, pimping uh, women for prostitution. Their work is the, this, the, the, the theft or the robbery that's being committed in those communities. It is not racist. It's racist to allow these criminals of all colors, black, white, Mexican, uh, brown, uh, 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 Asian, uh, yellow, if you want to call them that, it, it, all that stuff, right, is what, I mean, you can, you, you, you have, you, you're, you're, they're calling you racist because you're saying, um, all these things that are happening are because of their color is so not true. We are a community of law-abiding citizens. That, that is it. There's only one color, and that is law-abiding citizens. 
There's only one race, and that's law-abiding citizens. No, by no means is enforcing the law and requiring them to show up for court and being there racist. It clearly is racist to make this claim that they're making again in this article. And I, and I just want to read it again. I want to make sure that this is clear. Is it a saying that it's just inequitable that some people get to be free because they have money and other people have to remain incarcerated, which has all kinds of terrible consequences of people's ability to work for their housing, their whole family suffer. Do you not understand that the people that are being robbed are the people that are working? They're, they can't go to work because somebody stole their car. They can't go to work because they've been shot. They can't, they can't have their children go to the store to have fun, to get an ice cream, to enjoy themselves. Their, their children can't, they have to stay in their home because of the criminals who are not working. Who cares if they can afford it? I don't care. I don't care. If, let's just do this, if you think, and again, judges have this ability often. Now, there are some limitations based on how crime, how um, uh, criminal law is written or um, uh, statutes are written that why not give judges the ability to say, hey, this person makes a hell of a lot more money. Let's in which, again, they do this all the time. They revoke bail and say, well, they have to stay in no matter how much money they have. And these things can happen, but it's ridiculous to go the other way and now you're going to release these people. Now, what is it that's happening here in or there in Illinois? Now, it's uh, again, I, I know that this is called the vote PYL vote, uh, plus century Belinda. Why am I bringing this up about Illinois here in California? Because we have the same idiots running our state. As a matter of fact, our idiots may be dumber than their idiots in Illinois. This is happening around us. So when we're voting, and I talk about vote PYL vote, that we're talking about the plus century Belinda unified school district in many areas. Uh, that involve that district, but it also encompasses Fullerton, Anaheim, um, Brea. But then we have to move out because on the ballot is also going to be assemblymen and, and, and congressmen and senators and, and, and all those other people that are responsible for not only our state, but our federal government. So when we go to vote, of course, my focus is on local voting. And I want you to take charge of, of what's happening here locally because that's where it has to start as we've learned, but it's going to move out to statewide, to countywide, statewide, and then federally that you need to understand who it is you're voting for when it comes to these things. So Illinois, just because it's in Illinois doesn't mean that we are immune. As you know, California is one of the worst states on the planet. It's one of the, it, it essentially is a third world country when it comes to their policies, which I'm going to bring out is one of the last things before we leave here. But I want you to fully understand what what is coming your way. I, it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent or of the Green Party or whatever party you want to be, um, that it is important for you to understand exactly what is happening, that the destruction of our state, much like Illinois, is due to bad policy when it comes to criminal matters, when it comes to how it is they're um, allowing law enforcement to enforce the law and what city and D city attorneys and district attorneys are doing to follow through with the prosecution of these criminals. Now, I say city attorneys and uh, DAs. If you are wondering why is it I use both, it, it, like in Anaheim, the city attorney was more responsible for infractions uh, and misdemeanor or um, uh, munis municipality codes within the city of Anaheim and misdemeanors. So that's what the city attorneys handled, and that's where broken windows 
theory starts with all the misdemeanors, parked cars, uh, infractions, um, um, municipal codes. These are this is where it all has to start. And so you need the support and you need the city attorney to prosecute the most minor of crimes, not to just go, you know what? It's just a minor crime, not that big of a deal. No, you need to prosecute all the way through. And then you get into the DA, which handles most felonies. Uh, the, the district attorney will handle everything that has to do with robberies and murders and, uh, um, and um, uh, domestic violence when it, uh, when it becomes a felony, um, uh, molestations and so on. The district attorney is involved in those things. All right, really quick. I, I want to get to these crimes. So here's what's happening. And, and this is for real. You would think that this is a Babylon B or we're making it up or this can't be happening. And no, this is really happening. And California is no different. I know I'm using Illinois right now, but but these states, these idiots that are running these states watch each other and what they're doing. As soon as uh, California does something, many other states do the same thing. As soon as uh, Illinois does something, many other other states do something. New York, same thing. These are This is coming to our doorstop. Doorstep, and this is a statewide um, uh, issue that is happening. All right, here we go. So, in Illinois, um, part of this bill, the Pretrial Fairness Act, <laughs> they give these things such such crazy names, will do away with bail as many people who are arrested can't afford it, as it says. Uh, as of January first, two thousand twenty-three, the following are just a few of the crimes. Uh, that will not require uh, detention while waiting for trial, will not require detention. This means, of course, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. This means that they commit the crime, they, they may get caught and arrested, but they don't go to jail and stay. They may go and get processed, they may get fingerprinted uh, and their picture taken, but they go right out. They go right out. So the officer risks his life to arrest these people, which again, they're no longer going to risk their life to arrest these people, because why would they? Why would they do it? This is, this is far further reaching, and it, is, it will take me two hours to explain all the, the consequences to this stupidity. But just understand that they can get arrested, but they're going to be released. They don't spend as long as it takes to get them fingerprinted and photographed and their information, they, they go out the front door. They may not even make it all the way to the police department. This may happen in the field, and, and they may not even go to jail. Uh, and again, here we go. I know I keep teasing you. But aggravated battery, you get punched in the face uh, and the guy that punched you in the face doesn't go to jail. Uh, aggravated DUI, aggravated fleeing and eluding. Okay, that, so again, I go, this is free, uh, fleeing and eluding. What is that? And you probably know, it's then when a police officer gets behind a bad guy who is in a stolen vehicle, just committed a murder, um, uh, just committed a robbery, um, what have you. You get by, you turn on the, the lights, the guy takes off and he, and he, and he splits officers. Why would you bother? You, you, it's not, a, it, you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to stay in jail. <laughs> the guy gets to run for free. He gets to take off. This is no longer a, a crime to, to essentially he, it's a crime, but he doesn't get arrested for it. He doesn't get to stay in jail for it. He doesn't stay in jail for it. He can run. So he can commit, so let's say he commits aggravated battery. Uh, the officer spots the vehicle that's been described and the suspect in it, yep, looks like him. He gets behind him, he turns like the guy takes off and runs. The officer pursues him and somehow the guy maybe crashes or something like that and, he, uh, and, and he's drunk, aggravated uh, DUI crash. All those things, he does, no, 
he, he goes in, gets fingerprinted, and he gets released. All those things, it's, it's, he doesn't get to go to jail. Uh, I'm sorry. It just this is so frustrating. Arson. He sets a building on fire, and, uh, and people have to, the fire department responds. People jump out of the window. People nearly die. Now, you don't, you don't go to jail for that mistake. Uh, burglary. Drug-induced homicide. Intimidation. Somebody intimidates a witness and says, if you tattle on me, I'm going to kill you. Intimidation no longer uh, can they. There's no bail for that. Kidnapping. <clears throat> Robbery, second degree murder, you don't have to stay in jail for. Threatening a public official, you don't get to stay. Nearly all drug offenses, all you have to do is claim that you're um, uh, on drugs and um, they'll release you. They're replaced, they've replaced the word bail with pretrial release. It will no longer cost money. That's right, folks. Accused of a, of a violent crime such as arson, battery, kidnapping, and murder will be a a-okay to leave and come back to trial later. Oh, my gosh. All right. So let me go down here. Um, it says what happens here. It says what happens when they don't come back. But that isn't all. The far-reaching bill imposes all other ridiculous limitations as well. Felony murder would still require suspects to remain incarcerated until their, their court hearing. And those charged with domestic violence would be held in custody for only 24 to 48 hours fudge man i just want to cuss right now but only if the prosecution proves that the suspect is a danger to the safety of a specific identical person or persons hanley pointed out imagine the defendant who murdered his wife to whom he no longer poses a threat being released because of this ridiculous limited legal standard judges may no longer issue a warrant when a defendant fails to come to court hanley added instead an absent defendant must next be served with a court order asking him to appear, and then if he fails to appear a second time before a warrant may be issued. And again, I could go on. Do you not see, you not see the nonsense? This is, this is happening in Illinois. This, in, on January 1st, 2023, this is going to become the law unless something happens to block it, which um, is not likely considering the, the idiots you have there running that state. And again, this is going to happen here in California. It's already happening in many ways. I was a, a detective in, in family crimes and uh, sex crimes. And based on how this is written, if you've ever been the victim of a, of a, of a domestic, of domestic violence or um, a sex crime, one of the biggest fears of the victim of these crimes is that the person is going to get out and come back and hurt them again or worse, murder them. If they are a survivor of either one of these attacks, aggravated assault, domestic violence, um, a, a sex crime of some sort, always, and this is when the victim continues to, wants to continue to be a victim. Many victims are so afraid that they don't want to be considered a victim. Does that sound strange? No. Many of you know what I'm talking about, where a, a wife who does not work who has an abusive husband who has assaulted her, uh, punched her in the face, broke her arm, hit her over the head with a pan or a, um, a telephone um, or some other instrument, realizes after we have taken them to jail, and this is, in, you know, it, it is, is my role as a law enforcement officer, is that we take them to jail. It is not uncommon for that victim 
to over a six hour or 12 hour period call. They used to call me as a detective and say, you know what? Remember my husband that was arrested? He's in your jail now. Um, it was my fault. I actually slipped and fell and hit my head. He didn't hit me. I made the whole story up. Do you know why she doesn't want to be a victim? Is because she's afraid that when he does get out eventually that he's going to murder her or that she's realized that she doesn't work and she's got five hungry kids or two hungry kids and now can't afford to feed them if he does go to jail. And she becomes a victim of herself. So regardless of all those issues here on, here in Illinois, what if a person wants to be a victim? That is, it's even more criminal than that, than what I'm talking about with one who doesn't want to be a victim is that she says, no, I want this guy to be in jail. It doesn't matter how much she wants him to be uh, in, in, incarcerated and in jail where she is safe. safe. It doesn't matter that he will get, a, uh, get released in 24 to 48 hours, regardless of her wanting to be a victim. And that is what is such a, I mean, even a bigger crime is that these people in Illinois who may or may not have ever been a victim themselves do not care about the victim, do not care about anybody. This is where we are going in this, in this state too, in the state of California. And as we go to the, 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 the polling place, because none of you are going to mail in your ballots, I hope. None of you are going to trust that you can mail it in and that it will get there and it won't be something bad won't happen to it. You're going to, you're going to go in and vote personally is that you look at the people that you have already looked at and you have decided that based on your investigation and research on the people that are running, that they will not do something like is happening in Illinois. This is super critically important that you want somebody that understands the broken windows and uh, stop and frisk and uh, zero tolerance crime is important. And that's where we need to go. I can give you more examples. If you ever wonder if these things are, are good or not, I'm telling you they are good. Uh, and they've been used effectively. Do you have officers that go over line? Yes. I promise you that as an expert in this area, that my job of, of vetting, uh, not vetting, but going through these crimes and making sure that un officers also know that they are not to cross the line, that we have a constitution in this country that needs to be followed, that you take those two things and, and work those things through together and you will have a much safer community of both. If both the city attorney, district attorney and law enforcement are doing their job and the criminal element understands that they will be prosecuted, they will be held and incarcerated and they will not get out um, because of the way that the people that we have elected have decided to enforce the law and make sure that victims come first, that law abiding citizens come first and not the criminal element. All right. I had one more thing I want to talk about. I'm going to hold that for another show. Uh, spend a lot of time on this one issue, but I think that's important as you go uh, looking at the different candidates that you're going to be voting for. Uh, we have a great candidate here in your Belinda running for city council. Um, I'm going to bring up, hold on. I want to bring up his website. Sorry. I should have had it up already. Um, stand by all the links that I'm sharing with you are, uh, except for the, the, no, all these, all the links that I used are in the description. Here he is. Here he is. Okay. Uh, there we have Ryan, Ryan Bent running for city council. Um, I've talked to him. I met him the other day, shook hands, talked to him and looked at, at what it is that he represents and Renny's running for it, so you're going to want to go to uh, Ryan Bent. His link is in the description. Make sure and and check him out. We want definitely want to vote him into our city council here in Yarbalinda. 
so that we can feel uh, confident that we have uh, uh, somebody. And I know we have probably other people that are on the city council that are doing a, a, a good job, but I, I have the feeling that we have a couple that aren't. Uh, so we want to make sure that we begin to look through each one of the candidates uh, that are, we're going to vote in on the future and what city council members we currently have on the board and really look at what it is that they um, uh, represent and what it is they look for. So go to Ryan Bent's uh, website. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, again, I'm um, interviewing one of the city council members. I believe it is this Monday. We've uh, I originally changed the date uh, because of a conflict, but um, I'll be interviewing one of the city council members that it's on the on the city council uh, on Monday. So, all right, my friends, I hope that you go out and check Ryan Bent. I hope you um, stay tuned for future episodes. Uh, oh, so oh shoot, I wanted also so sorry. I wanted to tell you about Nex. Now it's N E X Gen usa.com next nex gen usa.com that's a new um uh, uh network of videos uh of tv that i'm on and so i'm broadcasting live on next gen right now for the very first time live on that platform and i thought that i had their website brought up sorry i'm trying to do way too many things here at the same time uh let's see i had it up but now i cannot find it of course not it should have been easy to find, but I will find it next time and make sure that it's available, but it's called next gen, N E X G N USA.com. Um, so go there, uh, broadcasting live on a new, uh, video network and, uh, some really great people are going to be on there and hosting shows. Like, uh, I believe, uh, Sheriff Arpaio is going to be hosting a show on there and a num number of other uh, professionals. I will make sure and get that list and get the link up so that it, you guys are available. It, it may or may not be in the description. Uh, I've tried to put it in most of them there, but uh, again, I wasn't able to do it before the, the show. We, this was a brand new, uh, brand new event that just occurred. All right, my friends, uh, love you guys. Thanks for watching. I appreciate you and make sure and share this with anybody you think that uh, you uh, think that needs to hear this, which is probably everybody. If you live in the Placentia Yorbalinda Unified School District area and make sure they know uh, what's going on in our community. All right, my friends. See you on the next one. Take care. Bye.